This edition of Remembering the Legends is courtesy of Braham's Texaco Service Station. Striving for excellence, always. We're reflecting on Burning Spear because a legend like this has a lot to unpack. This is part two of his special tribute. Let us pick up where we left off. Everyone have a story in life. And this is about Ayman. And this is Ayman's story. Like many good things that come to an end over time, so did the group. Mr. Rodney had broken ties not just with Jack Ruby, but also his two bandmates. He retained the Burning Spear name and set out on his solo career journey with his next self-produced album, Dry and Heavy. The album was recorded with the Black Disciples at Harry J's studio. Shortly after venturing into his solo career, Burning Spear had already amassed a significant following in the United Kingdom and made his first appearance in that country, backed by the local reggae band there, Aswad. Burning Spear even copped a leading role in the 1979 seminal Rockers movie with his memorable a cappella performance of Ja Na Dead. But that's not all. He recorded his new album, Hail Him, that is Hail, H-I-M, at Bob Marley's Tough Gong Studio with Black Disciples in 1980. Shortly after, Selvin Morris remixed a dub version to The Lion from Rodney's Man in the Hills album and would later come to remix a myriad of other singles by Burning Spear. The Man in the Hills album was released in 1976 and is the successor of the iconic Marcus Garvey album. Starting with Marcus Garvey, Burning Spear's studio albums have remained as groundbreaking canons of dread roots along with a host of matchless recordings. My very first song for Studio One called Door Deep. So I ended up gave to Studio One two albums and a couple of singles. The first album called Burning Spear, the second album Rocking Time. In 1982, Mr. Rodney entered a new musical era after closing a deal with Heartbeat Label in the United States. He recorded his debut album for them, titled Far Over, which featured a new backing group the Burning Band. Here, Burning Spear began to explore non-cultural themes evident in the She's Mine single. Oh, 1985's Resistance followed, which was nominated for a Grammy Award. 1986 saw the release of People of the World, which was released shortly after leaving the Heartbeat label. He moved on to sign a deal with the independent Slash label, where his debut for them also earned a Grammy nomination in 1988. Its follow-up, 1988's Mistress Music, suffered from the hands of poor production. However, the Live in Paris Zenith album did much better. Yeah, 
After running through a set of greatest hits, the Live in Paris album also garnered yet another Grammy nomination in 1992. Unfortunately, shortly after this nomination, it was the end of The Burning Band, which ran its course after Burning Spears' European tour. Two years down the line, Rodney was back with a new backing group re-signed to Island Records, opening with Mequidweet. Fast forward a few years, Burning Spears' stage work remained fierce and American audiences were treated to some fabulous live performances from the artist. Live albums, tributes after tributes were what the world received from the reggae icon in years to come. 1994's The World Should Know was also another of his Grammy-nominated albums. Burning Spear continued to release albums on a biannual basis, beginning with Rasta Business in 1995, which also earned yet another Grammy nomination along with Appointment with His Majesty. It would seem like Burning Spear was almost, as the saying goes, always a bridesmaid but never a bride, with Grammy nominations and not a single win. That is, until 2000 and 2009 when Calling Rastafari and Ja Is Real respectively took the trophies home for him. Calling Rastafari was also supplemented by a major American tour. Like no other, Burning Spear has lived up to his name over the years in music leaving a legacy for many reggae artists to emulate. I'm just doing what I have to do as a wish. You know, if, not if. I'm the messenger. So I, my duty is to deliver the message to the people. And the, me the message came through the music, and the music came through the message. Yes, of course, I, I dig in deep, you know, based upon African history. And uh, the people, uh, knowing that Africa is where Ayman originated from, uh, it, it, it's my work. Cool 97 is proud to call him one of our own, a Jamaican reggae music icon. This program was written by Abigail Wilson and produced by Norman Marsh. If you missed part one, visit cool97fm.com and click podcasts. I am Narda Anderson. Remembering the Legends was brought to you by Brayham's Texaco Service Station. Striving for excellence, always.